what are some questions you have after all you've seen? There's so many statements in my inbox, like Black Lives Matter, blah, 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 from like all these places. It's like, yeah, that's cool. But like, what's next? Like, what are you what are you really going to do when like after the pandemic is over and like after the protests are over? Like, what are you going to implement like within your organization to make sure that it remains anti-Black? You know what I mean? So that's what I'm, I'm waiting for. What's going on, y'all? For episode 23, we're doing something different. We're aware of what's happening in the news and we want to give you more than a statement. We're giving you a conversation between me and my producer, Christina Sturdivant-Sani. We talk, decompress, process, and even laugh. Because sometimes that's what you have to do to keep yourself from crying. I've been sheltering in place in Houston while Christina has been in Virginia. We hope to engage you and who knows, maybe and hopefully enlighten you as well. Enjoy. How are you feeling with everything that's going on and everything that's happening in the news? Been feeling a number of feelings. The biggest thing is just, it's just been heavy. We always see tragic Black lives just taken on the news at the hands of police unjustly. As a Black man in America, does not make me feel good. I've had a, a similar incident where it was the right place, right time. I quote unquote fit the description in 2011. And that could have ended tragically and life would have went on. Whenever I see a life get taken in the news, guy or girl or man or woman, I'm always reminded of that incident. You know, I could have been a hashtag, you know, and my family would have to deal with that grief. So it's a lot of heaviness. But on top of that, I can't remember a time seeing this much progress towards something, seeing everybody get involved. I'm sad that it had to come at the hands of a pandemic because obviously there's nothing going on. So you have to look at it. It's been very bittersweet, but more bitter than sweet. What was your first early dealings with race knowing that, okay, my skin color is seen differently in America, but also treated differently in America? What's your earliest memory of that? So, like, I'm one of those people who grew up in a predominantly black, like, I want to say 100% black (laughs) neighborhood and schools and all that stuff. I grew up in D.C. when it was Chocolate City, so blackity, black, black, black. Then I went to an HBCU so it's just like all this blackness until I was what, like 22 or something like that. But like, so the earliest memory though, I remember my family was on some type of road trip. We had to make a, a rest stop. So we went into this diner and it was like some white men working there or whatever. And we just wanted to use the bathroom, but they wouldn't let us. It had to do, I'm pretty sure it has to do with race. Like we've talked about it. My family and I have talked about it later, but I don't know if I totally got it at the time. But that's the earliest time I remember, like, something. Like, they just, like, didn't let us use the bathroom. I was probably in elementary school or so. So for me, my earliest memory, I vaguely remember the Rodney King riots. Wow. Um, vaguely remember, right? How but also, ooh, I don't know. That was early 90s. I don't know, five, six, seven, maybe. Something in Texas was the James Bird Jr. Dragon. And I want to say that was 99. All the news coverage that it got. And back then, we didn't have cameras. The three men involved, they served jail time. I think one or two was executed. Was executed? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Oh, can you provide context? Because I've never heard of this before. And I don't know if really? it's because I, I didn't grow up in like okay. this or because I'm just ignorant. <laughs> okay. James Byrd Jr., it was in the 90s, a black man. Three white men just dragged him on a truck as in tied him up on the chain and he was decapitated. They just dragged him for like a few miles. There was no reason. It was just really just hate involved, you know, and they did the research. 
Come to find out the men involved did have some racist ties. Two had a death penalty. I think one just served a bunch of jail time. That was my first taste, but then also getting older and just seeing the examples. For example, Sandra Bland, you know, we went to PV together. I'll never forget everything going down with Michael Brown because Mm -hmm. I was living in Nebraska at the time. Rural, predominantly white Nebraska, small town. I really felt like my head was on a swivel at all times, but also people not getting it too. They were like, oh, who cares? He stole. No, oh it, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what he did. The fact is, like, he was shot and killed unjustly. And then examples and examples and examples happening. So in the back of my mind, it's always been there. Yeah, so I was listening to the radio the other day, and the DJ, she made a good point. She was saying how there are actually, like, two things happening right now. There's police brutality, and there's anti-Black, just, like, racist incidents or whatever like that police brutality can show up black on black you know there can be a black officer killing a black victim you talked about your experience with like the police but like what have your what was your experience in nebraska like living and breathing and like moving around like in that space and like working in a predominantly white space who the biggest thing there's still some experiences that happen to me that i don't speak of Mm. that's number one number two Working in a predominantly white newsroom, but also in a conservative area that, you know, you can look at the numbers, they voted for Trump, the entire state. It's a conservative state. It was troubling because I would have story ideas, but if it didn't fit the demographic or people didn't have interest in it, they feared it would turn viewers away. Seeing that making people uncomfortable is something that we didn't want to do, no matter how true it was. So I'm from Houston, right? Houston's a big city. And in my lifetime, I can count on one hand how many times I've been pulled over by the police in Houston, right? In my lifetime, right? So 20 plus something years at the time. In Nebraska, I lived there for two years. I got pulled over at least seven, eight, nine, ten times. Wow. And I don't think it was out of happenstance. It was work because I knew I was living and working in a place that people just didn't understand but also living and working in a place where even if you tried to explain it to them, they just couldn't grasp it. And honestly, I met some great people there, but I got, I got a different job elsewhere and haven't set foot back in the state yet. Again, it's some great people I met there, but I don't miss it. I, I really don't miss it at all. It, it, it wasn't the best experience for a person of color. A lot of people just didn't understand race. It was very frustrating. How have you been taking care of yourself amidst the pandemic? I feel like every, it seems like everybody has these um, phases or like cycles in and out. Like I remember when everything first shut down here in the DC area, I'm a freelancer and I work from home anyway. I didn't, I was still working from home. Like it didn't really matter to me, like my work life you know, it was pretty much the same. The only difference was my child was now home with me, bothering me, and my husband was eventually came home too. That was different having them in the workspace, but that was it. As far as COVID though, maybe the first month or so, like every time I went out to the grocery store, I would be scared for like the next 14 days. Like, oh shoot, I got like 14 days to like see if I'm gonna catch this deadly disease and like all this stuff. So I was like super paranoid whenever we're now. And then my husband's just like not playing, like hitting masks and gloves and hand sanitizer and pushing people, like just 
get out of her way. So he's like super paranoid or protective too about it. So I think for like the first month, I was, I just thought I was going to catch it. Like, I think you used to have like dreams and stuff. I couldn't sleep and I just thought, cause I don't think I have the best immune system. So I was just like kind of terrified. And then like when Chris Cuomo got it, just like all these people like started getting it. It was just scary. But now I think after that wave of just like being afraid I was going to catch it, I just got bored, like out of my mind. Cause I was like used to working from home, but I wasn't used to not having a social life. Like, even if I worked from home, I still worked in coffee shops sometimes and, like, went places on the weekends and at night. So, like, then I went through this period of boredom for a month. And then I went through this period of trying to be creative and, like, write and do stuff more. And now, like, I'm working, like, part-ish time and about to launch a business. So I'm just, like, super busy. So now I'm just in, like, a super busy space. And I'm trying to get out every day. Like, I'll go days without leaving the house with, like, no sunlight. And I need to do better with that. And then the whole food things, like, mad snacks in the house all of a sudden. So, like, I'm pretty sure I gained 15 pounds since March, which is just not a good look. So, yeah, that's that's the pandemic for me. Well, pandemic for me has been interesting. As you know, my father passed away in December. Mm -hmm. And... I feel like I never really just had that time to just sit and grieve. Also, I've just been really tired. I work a bunch of gigs in the Bay and just a lot of ripping and running. So it's been great getting the rest, but I've also been needing to stay busy too. Mm -hmm. So I've been giving myself projects around the house, whether it's cleaning the garage, doing things that I always needed to do or needed to be done around the house. So I've just been, you know, stepping up in that way, but also being here for my mom as well. It's been uh, vital, and I think we uh, definitely needed that time. But I make sure I try to get some sunlight and go for a walk. Been doing some exercises, some calisthenics. So it's good. Been doing a lot of sleeping. I think I've napped more during the pandemic than I have the last two or three years. And I have no shame about that. Yeah. Uh, I think we all just need a rest. This is a big reset that I feel like America and probably the world needed to just sit and just chill. And I'm sad there are a number of people who've lost their lives and lost their jobs. And my heart goes out to those people. I'm very sorry they had to experience that. What has amazed and disappointed you from everything we've seen? I mean, everybody is talking about, like, all of the white people at the protests. I mean, that's been good to see that it's just not all black and brown faces. Like, they're making up a large majority of the protesters. That's good. Disappointing. I don't know. I want to say there's this whole thing in D.C. like when the mayor did the whole paint Black Lives Matter on 16th Street, like leading to the White House. And then she renamed the street Black Lives Matter Plaza. And when I first saw it, I was just like, that is so dope. That's like the dopest thing in the world and all this stuff. But then like listening to Black Lives Matter D.C., they're like, you know, it's performative. And, you know, that's cool, like paint. But like, what are you actually going to going back to the question of like, what are you actually going to do? I just want to see what the mayor is going to do. So that's like slight disappointment. What amazes me, seeing the worldwide protests. I think that's beautiful. I think that's oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's been amazing. What's disappointed me is seeing the sports world react to it. So for example, I love baseball. MLB took forever to come out with a statement. That's number one. Two, so many NFL teams blackball Callen Kaepernick. Literally every NFL team blackball Callen Kaepernick. Basically, what we're doing now and what's happening in the news, what's been happening in the news, he'd been saying in 2016, but not a single team gave him a chance. But they got no problem participating in Blackout Tuesday. They got no problem donating this money. 
but you had the chance to quote unquote be on the right or correct side of history and sign him, but you chose not to because you thought he was disrespecting the flag. When he said from the jump, it was never about disrespecting the flag. So now these players and coaches and teams are getting on board now when they had literally three years to get on board, four years technically, but never got on board. NASCAR just banned uh, Confederate flags at the races. I've been to a NASCAR race. Let's just say I've only been to one before. I got my fix. I didn't need to go to another one. But <laughs> now they've banned Confederate flags, which is great, but I don't think it needs applauding because mm-hmm. you could have been done this a long time ago. And these things that are happening now as and now we see, well, why didn't you see before? We were literally right. begging and bleeding. And so the action now, that's disappointing because steps could have been made years ago, but you chose not to. Do you sometimes fear for your family's life? With Monty, like I was talking to uh, one of my friends and she has a son who's maybe like five or so, talking about like the George Floyd video and just imagining it was her son, basically like crying on the phone with me, it was super sad. Um, And I have not allowed myself to like take myself there. Like I intentionally do not go down that hole of imagining if that was Monty. We had the talk with Monty, though. He's 12. Hamza and I talked to him about what to do if you confront the police and all that. And that was a hard conversation, but I'm glad we had it. Another thing I didn't really realize was that my brothers, like, I was on a call, I said earlier, with, like, a bunch of friends, and we were just, like, talking about our experiences. And my brother was saying how growing up in D.C., you know, cops will always put their, like, knees on their backs and, like, all this stuff. And he just thought, like, that's how policing works. And it just, like, broke my heart. Like, he just growing up, like, oh, yeah, that's what police do. They, like, bang you up. Like, you know, just, like, having to grow up with that that mindset and, like, that police brutality just seeming, like, normal, that kind of pissed me off. One thing my dad told me a long time ago, and this was a conversation we had, regarding police he said if the police said if you ever get stopped by the police he said it's always yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am be as just straightforward as you can because at the mm-hmm. end of the day if it goes to court it's going to be your word versus their word and their word is always going to win mm-hmm. so knowing that as a kid that is just like the police no matter what they do or say they're always going to win but also seeing several examples of police you know shooting killing our people in the street i don't think too highly of the police they're not my favorite people at all I do fear for my family lives, but also just friends, too. Um, Come somebody who's still dealing with grief, I wouldn't wish grief on anybody. Unfortunately, that's just the world we live in. Have you had any instances of white guilt come up? I did receive an email from a white person who I think felt guilty about years of interactions that we had. And it had actually, like, been weighing really heavily on me for the past two years. And... So I was actually like really, I don't say happy, but happy for lack of a better word to like receive the email because it just took this um, like weight off my shoulders that in talking to my therapist, like I shouldn't have put that weight on my shoulders in the first place, but that's like a whole nother story. Yeah, she just like apologized. It was a work situation that she just apologized for. You know, the environment that was created there things that happened after and we were supposed to talk about it but like she just never talked to me about it for two years until last week I never thought that email was going to come that conversation was going to happen ever so whatever meetings these white people are going to keep going to them guys 
we've had more than enough examples of the protests. It's way more information out there, you know, than I could rattle off off the top of my head right now. If yeah. you want to make that effort to be better, Google is still free. So I know you created the People You Meet podcast because you wanted to tell stories about people who often go unheard. Why do you think that is important in the climate that we're in right now? What do you want your listeners to know moving forward? Okay, so let me try to answer your first question. It's important that we live now because I do believe if I didn't tell the stories of the people that I've met, you know, the previous episodes, I just think they just would kind of just would have went on and nobody would know now mind you these stories and people that i find interesting but they matter i think i just want to be able to offer a space in this world where hey i'm trying my best to tell your stories because your stories matter to me but also your life matters to me regardless of skin sweet thanks for being a part of it thanks for being around and uh looking forward to telling you plenty more jokes to come Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, um, in all seriousness, uh, be careful to the people out there listening, to our listeners. Uh, please take care of yourself, um, but also be kind to yourself as, as well. We're living yeah. in some very tough times. So take care of yourself, be kind, treat yourself. Um, but also, you know, the people around that you do love and care for, make sure they know. And, uh, you know, um, be honest. Um, I do wish I didn't take certain people for granted. And, uh, you know, some of them are no longer living. Yeah, make sure you uh, don't take people for granted. Hug them tight. Make sure they know that you love them. And uh, just be safe out there. Take care of yourself. Bye. Later.